show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Magic of the Spheres turned five years old a few days ago, April 5th, and I'm getting ready to be producing more podcast interviews. It's been slower on that front for a while as I moved through my Saturn return. And about this podcast birthday, please help me celebrate by sharing this podcast with your friends and also leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I have a gift for reviewers, a resource library about creating and elevating your reality that listeners have loved. Simply send me a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email that to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. This episode was a surprise and a delight in many ways, such as the genesis of this conversation started on the astral plane, and the series of magical events that unfolded were not only stunning in their own right, but they gifted me a deeper understanding of my responsibility around cultivating and expressing my joy. I say responsibility in that I'm working with a new layer of backing it, joy as a backbone, the specific image that came through. And to me, this means not being dependent upon validation or external factors to keep it alive, but actually tuning myself into being a source and a generator of it. Maybe I'll be speaking to this story arc soon because there's really a lot there. Another surprise and delight was that this episode also turned into a spontaneous poetry reading with original poems from our guest Drew Levante interspersed throughout the conversation. Having art and writing shared on this podcast has always been really special and enjoyable to me. This episode with Drew Levante is about a particular astrological magic working that he created about becoming the sun and bringing others with you. Before we begin, I just want to share, I have a few bookings open for astrology readings left in April. These are my evolutionary fusion readings. They're 75-minute readings grounded in my decade-plus specialty of evolutionary astrology, which resources Pluto and the lunar nodes to get a glimpse into the major themes and life of the soul. And I additionally incorporate Hellenistic thought and minor asteroids and Greek myths. This session ends with integration through EFT or tapping, which is a somatic trauma healing technique, Akashic channeling, or a personalized visualization, depending on what came up in the session. These readings have been profound and special to experience and offer, and I have some sessions left for April, and I'll be leaving the link in the notes. I'm also taking new clients for longer-term, six-month or a year mentorships, and you can email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, to inquire. And I will leave us to this conversation with you now. Hey everyone, I'm back with Drew Levante, who's been a guest on this show several times. And this episode was actually conceived in the astral plane in some sense. Um, really cool synchronicity or magical experience that brought us together. So we'll be getting into that. Um, But just to introduce you and to start out, part of what brought us together was an astrological election that you um, put together. Um, So elections, for those of you listening, um, is the art of timing within astrology, choosing a moment to launch a business or share an offer, or even like step out of the door to travel, to start a journey. Um, Drew is amazing at electional astrology, um, helps people with this, helps people learn it. And also I feel you really innovate within the field 
um, of electional astrology. So I wanted to pass it over to you um, to share kind of what electional astrology is um, and what your practice is like. Sure. Thanks, Sabrina. Yeah, I think you you summed it up well. And I appreciate what you said about me innovating in electional astrology, because like with any practice, we all do things a little bit differently. And my approach to electional and the way that I am probably a little bit different from other teachers and practitioners of electional is that I focus on combining the technique and the precision that we get from traditional astrology with presence and presence with ourselves and working with the charts that appear for us as doors to wonder about the world and wonder about ourselves. And so my practice with electional is very much rooted in not only an approach that is seeking specific outcomes, but one that is seeking a specific kind of attention that brings us into alignment with what we're actually here to do. And um, as much as our launches and the beautiful things that we bring into the world are what we are here to do, they are also a part of something greater, longer stories that we're telling. And my practice with electional seeks to give people access to those longer stories and those things that might be difficult to capture in um, a word or a phrase and things that can only be summed up in a feeling. And I think that's what astrology is really all about. Thank you. I had forgotten to mention too that part of um, elections um, that weaves into like talismanic magic and materia. And so like really just magic, it's a magical practice, magic of timing. And yeah, this experience that I had with your election, um, I guess it began in a dream that I had. I was in Peru um, where I was living for around two and a half months and it was the end of the Mars and Gemini time period. So we had Mars um, enacting its last of three squares to Neptune. Um, inside of that Mars-Neptune field, I tend to notice that dreams become really vivid um, and amplified. And I had a dream with you in it, Drew, and it was part of a a motif that I've had in my whole life in my dreams. I dream often of vehicles and different situations um, driving, different situations about the car, about the road, about who's in the car. And you had picked me up in the dream, which gives me a clue when I woke up that the dream was somehow relevant to convey to you. It didn't feel like just my own psychological dream. Um, you picked me up in this like vintage black car and the roads looked Peruvian a little bit. They looked kind of like the um, the rock-filled kind of dirt roads that aren't on the main roads. Um, and you pick me up. I'm in the passenger seat. You promise someone in the back that we'll go faster once we get to smoother roads. And you and I are chatting about somehow like you have six cars. I don't know what that detail is about. Um, but then eventually we make it not that long in the dream to the smooth roads. It turns into night and it feels like I'm in the United States again. Um, so I asked you if I could relay the dream to you and told you some of those symbols, um, and you recognize some of the symbolism. So, and told me that you were working on something. Do you want to kind of pick up from there? And yeah. So you mentioned the six and six was the number that I was working with for this election because this was an election for the sun. And um, I work in a tradition where six is connected to the sun, five is connected to Mars, four Jupiter, three Saturn, and then it goes up in the other direction to the moon with nine. And when I heard you say that, I was 
I knew that there was something happening that you needed to convey something to me and I needed to convey something to you and we were supposed to do something together. And I believe that you were the first one to reach out with something spontaneously like that. And it actually inspired me to share the election with more people because that kept happening where there would be these little clues that somebody should be clued into what was happening. Um, and I think it's fascinating, this idea of like slowing down and speeding up, this sense of acceleration, because that is, that tempo is something that I was focusing on for this election, which at one point I was calling the rights of spring sort of a throwback to the Stravinsky ballet piece, um, which is pretty famous in the history of Western music. Uh, famously, this ballet caused a riot in Paris because it's certain qualities of the music were so anathema to the conventional orchestrations that would be presented in the Parisian ballets that people literally rioted after the show. And what is so, um, what's so different about this music is the way that it blends different rhythms. Um, there are these, uh, so, you know, there's like eighth notes in music where you have like a half of a beat you're using like, uh, how do I explain this? Basically there's, this section in the Rite of Spring where the music is accelerating and it's rousing us into this state of total ecstasy and letting go of our rational mind and entering something more primordial. And the, the way the ballet conveys this um, at the level of the story of the ballet is that there is a sacrifice uh, and the, the dance that's happening, the people are like beating their feet on the ground, right? And so as I was working with this election in the lead up to it, I kept focusing on feet beating, the feet beating spring and this idea of waking up the earth the sun is accelerating, the days are lengthening. And um, as we touch the ground with our feet, we're literally waking it up, putting this friction into the earth. Um, and so that sense of like, we'll go faster, we'll go faster. Um, that also struck me when you told that story, Sabrina. It's interesting, yeah, because the car was like this vintage car and we were on these rocky roads so you could feel like the car like its connection to the ground totally yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah there's a couple things that have happened with this election where um, I've had syncs with other people who I brought into it one of the people I brought into it uh, his name's Matthew he's an astrologer who you definitely know Sabrina um, I'm literally spacing on his last name though um, but um, we met at Norwalk in 2019, um, Matthew, Saturn, Scorpio, Matthew. And um, we both um, on the election harvested tree sap without communicating about it. We hadn't even talked about trees. And somehow we both had the inspiration to harvest tree sap. And so there's this interesting way in which the elections are kind of like assembling us around certain themes, um, like you and me with this, like this sense of acceleration and the spring and the the ground rumbling. And then me and Matthew with, with the trees. So I find that really interesting. See, this is so fun. Like I, I felt really blessed that this happened and this came my way because like we were in dialogue about it after I had the dream and you were telling me that you had an election to share. And so you were helping me think of like what to work with for the election. And part of it was safe travels. And like, you gave me the advice to like, thank the land. 
um, for holding me here in Peru. Right. Um, and that also there was something in the election and in my intention about returning to Peru, like that it was a goodbye, but like goodbye for now kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and it created this peace for me or like this sense of, um, yeah, joy and peacefulness about my travels because it felt like something had shown me that a path was opening up. Mm. Yeah, there's something really cool about the way that elections connect us to place because even though we can do our best to reproduce an election identically in one place and another place, there will always be subtle differences. And especially when we're working across different hemispheres, like I'm in the Northern hemisphere and at the time you were in the Southern hemisphere, there's actually significant astrological differences in the charts. And so the way that I was working with it was inevitably going to be different than the way that you were working with it. So what I noticed was different about the election in your location, Sabrina, was that Mars was rising which was completely different from where I was, where Mars was like not really in the picture very much. And for that reason, it wasn't the same kind of thing. Like there was something more potentially maybe protective or some way in which Mars might need to be asked to calm down to the extent that Neptune wasn't already doing that for Mars in the sky. I think it's so interesting that like the Mars Neptune signature is like how we came into it together. And then the election was like featuring Mars Neptune in your location. So what was that experience of the election like for you? Um, Well, you had told me that the election was about becoming the sun and bringing others with you, which I didn't ask what that meant. I really liked kind of the idea of exploring that and just like running with it um, because it's really a poetic, that's what I mean about you being innovative about elections is that like, it's not an election say for launching a business, it's becoming the sun. (laughs) And so I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I made, you know, set aside the time to do a uh, meditation basically during that time or to be in prayer. And I ended up opening the Akashic Records and asking, what does it mean to become the sun? Um, and what does it mean to take others with you? And I got these insights. Um, it brought up to the fore around like how the sun is inescapably a presence. Like we relate to it every day. We feel its rays and bask in them and love the heat, or we feel like we need to get shade or like put on sunscreen, you know, or if we don't have enough sun, there's a coldness and shivering and um, it can be hard for life. Um, And so it was showing me that the sun is simply a presence and that becoming the sun has something to do with leaning into that reality that our expression, our embodiment affects and impacts other people. And it's not universal. Some people are going to like bask in it and other people are going to try to get away and get some shade. Um, And essentially it was showing me also that that's, it's not entirely unrelational that we can relate to the sun. It's not simply scorching, you know, but there was also something about courage, Aries sun, sun exalting in Aries and leadership about how, if you do express your essence, other people will respond to it. And the people that are meant to kind of go along for the ride, you know, will, will go. Um, and it, it went a layer deeper, a lot deeper, um, in that it brought up a dream that I'd had a couple months ago that had happened in between um, plant medicine ceremonies. Mm. Um, can, I so- re- can I respond to something before you get into that? Because yeah. you, totally, you totally picked up on the genesis of the project, which was really about a collaboration that I was doing with a client. Um, sort of a magical mentorship that I was doing with a client over the course of a couple of months or a few months, actually. And we've been working together since like mid last year where um, this client was very responsive 
reflective, literally a therapist, somebody who serves people working through their emotional stuff, right? And this is somebody who is really good at that, really good at being the moon and um, a moon in Aries, this person exactly conjunct my son. And this person also happens to be a Leo sun conjunct my moon. And this election was a new moon. So the, the moon and the sun were coming together. So really this election was so much about balancing the solar and lunar forces. And so what you're describing around, um, you know, the sun doesn't have to be scorching, right? It really was about this invitational solar quality that the sun's light and the sun's heat can be like a gem, like a star, something that we see twinkle and invites us to become it. And so this whole idea of becoming the sun is inspired by the Orphic tradition. A lot of us are familiar with the Orphic hymns. Orphism was a mystery tradition in the, um, as far back as, I don't know what the specific dating of it is, but it's like back in the sort of pre-Socratic era, um, like ancient Greece. Um, and we have evidence archeologically of the Orphics burying themselves in like after they were dead they would bury themselves in these elaborate um these elaborate graves these elaborate um like vessels for their bodies and the idea was that by doing it in this way they would escape the cycle of death and rebirth and become stars there's this idea of I actually wrote a poem about this. Um, I kind of want to just read the poem, if that's okay. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, it's, I wrote it for a lover, and then I realized that I was also writing it for the stars, and I was writing it for everybody. There's this way in which... I've learned through the Orphic tradition that love ignites us and love ignites our love of more than just a person and more than just ourselves, but it is this universal love that can become awakened. And when it becomes awakened, we begin to sing the song of Orpheus, which is this unending, undying song to the point that in the myth, um, when Orpheus is decapitated, his head keeps singing. His song is so inspired that even death cannot stop him. We had some really wild weather um, here in the Bay Area. We had snow in like late February. And so that's sort of like the genesis of this. It's March in Sonoma. The snow melts into the vineyard roots as dusk drips purple down the tree-lined peaks. How serenely we lie here, knowing why we fell from a turquoise sky. We are why there is winter and why there is spring we make storms so that you are softer in each other's arms. Our light is saffron to remind you that you are the sun. One day may you die without forgetting. May you live to feel your lungs turning into gills. 
and swim among the stars? Are there eternal parts of you? Are there shapes you always hold? You are soaking wet and spectacularly alive. I am feet. You are sand. We are tides. So when the Orphics would go, when they would pass, their idea was that they would become the fish of the sky, stars. And I think that many of us, if not all of us, are here to remember and to die without forgetting that that is where we come from and that is where we are going as inevitably as we end up reunited with the ocean. So we become stars and the, the idea of this election was that we never become stars alone. When we become stars, there is this engagement with otherness, this engagement with other people, this engagement with the world around us that our light transforms when it touches these things, just as a prism transforms light into this vast array of color. So as much as we are the sun, we are also the moon. I am the moon for you. You are the sun for me. I am the sun for you. You are the moon for me. And we dance. We are always ourselves and we are always more than ourselves, always reaching out into this cosmic truth that is balance. I have learned how to breathe by myself. I have learned that when I fall in love, I do not disappear. Something is awakened inside of me. Something that has been waiting to be stirred and invited out into the light of day. And we also make something new. When we do this, we create. When we can step into our solar expression, when we can be the sun, we are doing a service to the world and to each other. Wow. That poem really moves me, and I felt it, I felt it vibrate in my crown. Like it just kind of like circled around and was creating this buzzing. Hmm. Interesting. You say buzzing. Did you know, did we talk about bees? No. Okay. Bees were the, the animal of this election. I usually integrate an animal into my magical elections and bees were this one. Um, you know, my offering was honey. There's also this interesting way in which tree sap is like a kind of honey or this, you know, viscous amber, color right and during the election a bee came up to me um and inspired me to write another poem <laughs> <laughs> um, which because you said buzzing i kind of feel like reading that one too <laughs> um, they're yeah. all like in me right now um, yeah. on the mountain of the golden gate I whispered to a tree of its strength and thanked the clouds for rain and hummed happily to the wind. A bee came by and our harmony revealed 
that the drone of my throat is the pleasure of the earth. The pollinating of presence, buzzing ecstasy, sweet becoming. We are so happy when we make honey. When we make honey, we are the sun vibrating joy. And that's the realization that I had during the election is that bees are so happy. This buzzing sound, I invite everybody to just hum for a moment. That you feel that vibration in the back of your throat. This is something that the client who I was working on this project with, um, you know, being a therapist, she told me that humming actually um, relaxes the vagus nerve. Um, because that that location in the back of the throat, when it vibrates, it opens up the vagus nerve, which like runs up and down our spine. And it has a lot to do with like our parasympathetic nervous system and relaxation. Um, and I realized that during the election, when the bee came up to me, that bees are in a constant state, like when they're buzzing and they're, you know, doing their thing with the flowers they are in this divine relaxation. Like, yes, they're working, but it is this solar ritual that they are celebrating the sun. It's like, it's like the sun's orgy, these flowers and the bees coming up to them. Um, And so that's another thing that this has really been about for me is like realizing that this like, eco-sexual, eco-erotic reality that is all around us at all times, that there is so much pleasure and joy that nature is constantly engaged in. And we can mirror and be with those processes and we can experience what that is like through magic. That's so gorgeous and inspired. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So bees, right? Like I'm like literally rubbing bees, like beeswax on my lips right now because I just yeah. I love the bees. I, yeah. Both of those poems um, light up so much for me. Like heart, I'm still like processing, I feel like, but I'm I'm getting like deeper clues of like the weaving field that brought, mm-hmm. yeah, um, this election, you know, into my dreams, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about like the, you know, the vintage car and like the the humming of the engine, you know? Um, yeah. My first read, like I was just guessing that the vintage black car had to do with like Saturn return for you because of the... Totally. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like also just the way all of this like joyfulness and magic and sensuality and like enchantment is also reading really like beautiful, like Saturn return fruit. Yeah. With it being in my fifth house and everything. Yeah. Totally. Right. Um, so the dream that I had had that the Akashic meditation during the election reminded me of, um, it was in between um, plant ceremonies. So it was connected to my prayer, which was about joy. That's what I asked the plant medicine for and had a really some wild experiences that ensued from that. But I had this dream where I was semi-lucid and I kept um, telling the dream characters, like I'm Sabrina or like I'm dreaming. Like I was lucid enough to not lucid enough to really be choosing my words or my actions, but lucid enough to know I was dreaming. And then every time I did this, I would just basically get sucked into the sky and everything would turn dark and I like couldn't wake up. And it was this really scary feeling. And then I would get put back in the same dream. 
And eventually I got the gist that I wasn't supposed to assert my identity or the ego anymore. <laughs> and I let go. And the dream turned into this like really expansive party nightlife, like magical world. There was like really detailed art. I'm really like visually stunning scenes. Like I was swimming with Panthers. Um, there was a lot to this dream, but essentially like it felt like hours of just like having these ecstatic experiences. And at the end of the dream, I was in an all white room talking to the wall. Um, and I do, I talk to walls, um, sometimes when I'm trying to like narrow down my ideas because of these little blue lights I see. Um, and so if an idea is lit, you know, so a wall is like a, a screen that I can see myself through. Um, but as I'm starting to share what I've like learned, um, first my spine is like vibrating with ecstasy. I can feel it thrumming and vibrating. And it's like this electric blue current. And as I'm starting to tell the wall, what I've learned during the dream, I can feel the dream start to shake. Like it's not allowed for me to know my identity or be in that space, but I'm like, no, I, I really want to share this. And the dream allows it. And I'm just seeing my like blue lights on the wall. And I wake up in that state of like ecstasy and, you know, was very stirred, like, whoa, this was an important dream. Mm -hmm. um, and what I was seeing during this meditation about becoming the sun was like, it was showing me spaces in my life right now that I, I self-censor because of fear of the response, um, self-censor my authentic being. Um, and how I'm actually being given the invitation to let that like expression outward and to allow the other to meet me there, even if they're not the most receptive audience right away. Like it was showing me the sensitivity that I have and that like I was getting the phrase joy as a backbone and how I'm being invited through this election, through the synchronicities, like through this moment in my life to have more authority in my expression. So I'm the sun and Aries square, Neptune and Uranus and Capricorn and the election, the meditation was showing me that and showing how like, I don't need permission to express myself that way or feel this way. And that others will like, you know, there is a part of, I think, expression and like holding the pull, the pull of one's truth and one's expression in the world that people might not get it right away. Um, they might be like a little bit disturbed at first or like have some reaction, but then it settles, you know, or they like people do respond in time. And if one is like going to shrink back at the moment that they're not perfectly received, then that's so much limitation to one's freedom and also one's authority of expression. Um, so I had like, yeah, an experience with this election of it really marking like a, like a spiritual assignment for me at this time or like a personal assignment. Yeah. When you talk about the spine, like that is that's so resonant with like the work that we were doing around like, you know, open it, like relaxing the vagus nerve and allowing the energy to flow up and down. And it makes me think about the sap that I harvested and like the spine of the tree. And like this idea that you're saying about like not shrinking. Trees don't shrink. They reach they too are remembering their, their solarity, their solar expression. When plants and trees reach for the sky, that's exactly what we're doing. We came to earth, we planted our roots, and then we get to remember where we came from. Mm. Right. When you mentioned the tree in the poem, I had that click in too about that firmness. And I love that. I like we're rooted here, like to be incarnate, like that's like we're earthbound, but we're also reaching up like in our discoveries and like spiritual growth in this life. Yes. Yes. 
And sometimes the storms come and they, storms can be destructive. And that's like what inspired me to work with the trees is because we had so much rain in San Francisco and in the, in the wider Bay area too, that and even just up and down California over the last couple months, like it is the rainy season, but we got a ridiculous, um, unprecedented amount of rain. And, um, the trees were falling down. Um, we had a windstorm literally the night before the election. And so when I went up to the mountain where I was doing this election, I like walked by a bunch of downed trees and I was like, holy shit. And I, I'd already had the plan to harvest the sap from this one particular tree that had like um, a root was exposed and it had all the sap like hardened on the outside of it. So it, would, it was like very easy for me to get to it. And um Uh, this is the kind of magic that I've been doing is this atmospheric and yeah, very earth-based magic. The trees are strong. The trees are strong. That was what I was focusing on for this election. And I think this is something that happens, something that can happen magically is like, we see this expression of beauty in nature and it reminds us of beauty within ourselves. It helps us access this certain kind of power. There's so much beauty around us all the time and that beauty is never outside of us, you know? as above, so below, as within, so without. And um, the trees have taught me about this, this reaching and this rooting and this remembering. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what's coming up for you, Sabrina? I'm wondering what your experience was um, during the election proper and then afterward. Yeah, so the election window kind of opened when the planetary hour of the sun began. Um, and at that time is when I harvested the sap after an improvised poem which rhymed out of the blue i forget what the exact prayer was but it rhymed blood and flood because the ground was soaking wet and i was harvesting the blood of the tree and was with the tree in its fastening to the ground right remembering about this steadfastness that the trees have and that they will have and that they do have. And um, after that, I went up to my little, I have a spot here outside, like very close to my house. It's like a three minute walk up some steps where there's a vista that overlooks the Pacific and you can see the Golden Gate Bridge and it's just this absolutely stunning view. And so that's where I've done some magic and it's where I worked this election. It's where this tree was. And I lit some of the sap. I burned it as incense. I had some flowers that were of a specific color combination that I was working with. And the sun came out from behind the clouds. The clouds on this day were absolutely mountainous. You know, sometimes you see clouds in the distance and it looks like you're looking at a mountain range. And I was just oozing improvised poetry, speaking to the sun, thanking the clouds for rain. And 
learning about time, learning about meter and rhyme, this way in which the sun, this is, I feel like this is what happens with magical elections and with magic in general is that you always learn something and you learn it by embodying it. And so what I learned through this election was poetry. I was never writing, I was not writing poetry before this. And I didn't know about how poems are constructed. I didn't know that it's important to have rhyme in a poem to build expectation and to build tension and to build release. But it makes sense now to me that Apollo, this deity who we associate with the sun is associated with song. The sun sings, the sun rhymes. It's this steadiness that the sun embodies, this every day it rises, every day it sets, consistent, measured, on time. The poetry of the sun lies in its expectation, right? It rises and sets, and we can follow this just like we can follow a lyric. We know we can hear the lyric coming before it comes, right? Just like because of the rhyme, because of the expectation. Um, just like we know that the colors are going to fall into deeper hues as the sun sets. Um, so the experience during the election was rhyming out of the blue and literally just feeling that ecstatic joy and remembering that that level of that connection to beauty is always available. That's really, I love this way that the sun revealed a connection to rhyme and like that type of, yeah, consistency of the sun. And that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it actually, I, I wrote a, a poem about like, about trees and their, it's about so much more than trees. <laughs> it's like, um, do, can I do it? Another one is over. Yeah, this, yeah. this is the poetry show. Apparently, I feel like there's a level of like embodying the election that we're kind of doing together. So this works. The trees are strong. Their roots go deep. Ocean, amber, earth, asleep. How pure the nectar, how high the climb, up the green estuaries of God's golden mind. Rough bark of cypress, cool break of dawn, sun, saffron, lilac, calm. Speak to the sky and kiss the wet ground, blood, sunset, promised, bound. Sentient core, soul of a star, remember this and you will go far. The path is long and the crown it bestows reminds you what your body knows. The taste of rain and touch of wind, this is how we all begin. Song of provenance, dance of joy, the ecstatic truth they won't destroy. Thank you, Drew. Wow. This is like devotional poetry, really. Um, and it feels, 
I'm just getting a download of how this is creating like so much connection and magic and synchronicity through like being in that voiced prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is prayer. It absolutely is yeah. prayer. And it, it's prayer as the Orphics prayed. Yeah. And- like new or new Orphic hymns. Exactly. Like it's the, it's the, and by the way, the sun for this election was conjunct the asteroid Orpheus, um, which I didn't realize when I found it, but then it was pointed out to me later. Um, All of these Orphic hymns that we have are embedded with mystical truth and spiritual wisdom. And that is what I think all art can do. There's this old adage that beauty is truth and truth is beauty. And that's kind of all you need to know. (laughs) There's these little gems, sentient core, soul of a star. The trees are the soul of the star. And so are you we all embody that truth, that solar expression that can flow from us as surely as branches reach toward the sky. Um, So that's like, that is what poetry functions as for me. It functions as prayer. It functions as ways of honoring the multiple layers of meaning that are always available for this rich creation that we're always, that is always flowing from us. So yeah, poetry has found its way into my life through this election. And um, for me, it goes to show that we can become things we have not been in this life through magic. And I think so much of it is remembering and connecting with beings that we have been before. Um, I've really been thinking a lot about water and how our bodies are all water and how the water of my body has been in your body and in, in so many bodies across the world that it's this shape-shifting thing that goes between all of us and that we share in this, not only material, but in this spiritual way, and that our wisdom is connected to each other's wisdom, that there is this kind of collective mind that is rooted in our materiality, in the fact that we are water, we know things, the water remembers the skills, the talents, the creative potency of everywhere that it's been. And so it, it, it's taught me about this, um, this way in which we are so much more than our, we are so much more than we often think we are. There's so much power that we hold in the simplest, the simplest parts of us, the things that we think are just inert matter are full of this this beauty that I have been so many things before and I will be so many things after. And in this present moment, I am weaving these things in a way that only my son, the star that I'm becoming knows how. And I think we all have that power. I love how this experience moved through you and like the way that you're showing that having like a magical practice is not just about like getting a certain result that's already been preconceived in advance, but actually like going on a journey. Oh, totally. Um, Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I I know there and that is like something that 
you know, you can do, there's a million ways to do magic, just like there's a million ways to do elections, just like there's a million ways to scramble an egg. Well, maybe not, but for me, it really is about that exploration. Like you're saying, like I go into the election and then I start to have ideas and then things flow and you just, you notice things, you have a question and then it gets answered, but like, there's like a a chorus of questions and a chorus of answers and you don't even realize that it's being answered in the moment. And then all of a sudden you're there and it's this weird time bending thing that happens where it's like all of the threads kind of lead to this singular point of the election. And then they follow it to, like they, you, you ride them after um, and you keep learning. It, I feel like learning is really um, what it's all, all about to me. It's like discovering something that I didn't expect is actually really the whole point of astrology, magic, all of this to me. Um, I'm not trying to find, I'm not trying to create something that I already knew because like, what's the, what's the point of that? Yeah. Um, Well, and it takes force, I feel like to do that. Um, you know, like to exert our will in like a really prepackaged kind of way. And I feel like this type of way of being with creation is really, um, like something worth grounding into and thinking about for artists, creators, entrepreneurs, because it's, um, you know, it's kind of how I feel like when I'm, when I'm marketing like an offering, like part of that marketing process for me is like embodying the frequency of what's coming through. And there's this discovery process that happens in that sometimes to the point where it's like people have dreams where they have some synchronicity and they're like, I'm, I'm supposed to be in this class, you know, just like I had a dream that connected me to your election. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a way of like being with nature and being with the creative pulse of nature Mm -hmm. in a way that's a lot different than approaching it from, yeah, like this prepackaged or preconceived type of way of going about life. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There was some thread in there that I wanted to pick up on. Um, but I mean that or like what do you feel oh for for artists right well that's the thing right like um artists are always do artists do this already right like when you think about a medium like all artists work with a medium and I guess if if I'm an artist my medium is mostly language and also time itself and like the symbols that we have within astrology to describe time. Like all of those things are like my main medium. But a painter, when they're working on paint and canvas, yes, they have an intention of what they are looking to create. And depending on you know, maybe they, maybe they're a master. Maybe they know exactly what to create, exactly how to lay the brush, exactly what to do to bring this manifestation into creation. But I bet you that most painters, master painters, find that boring. <laughs> and so what they actually end up doing is they create research projects. Like the art is a research project. And part of what part of the the mechanism of that research, like the way that that research is executed is by engaging with the medium. The medium pushes back against you. The paint goes in a certain direction and it has this untamed quality to it. And in that pushing back, the medium is actually showing you what is true. It's showing you what is 
when we, you know, we think about nature as this, you know, we, in, as modern people, we have a conception of nature, which is very influenced by the enlightenment and like a lot of annoying ideological um, baggage of that. But when we look to the ancients and the way that they thought about nature, nature was everything, like everything. Um, and the aliveness of like a magnet, this, um, they were really fascinated by magnets and just the, um, you know, music was nature to them. Music expressed the the beauty of nature and the the harmony that was always within nature. And so I think that for artists, you know, what what if what if your practice was an exploration of reality itself, right? Like that, I think that's what. I think that's what artists intuitively um, know that their practice is about. And I think that's why astrologers are pretty much artists, right? Because yeah. we're asking these deep questions about reality and researching reality, um, researching nature, and, um, you know, looking to make change as well. And that change does manifest in the world around us we can influence things there but we start here right we start with these very simple things we start with a tree or we start with the ocean or an image something that inspires you and you don't quite know why but then you get to find out why Basically, like this artisanal experience of time, <laughs> like through the election and like, yeah, it could have just been a normal, you know, Wednesday and it turned into like this experience of discovering poetry and creating new Orphic hymns. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also giving me uh so much license to take up space, which like, I feel like as an Aries, I probably already felt that, but there's, there's a way in which it, I'm not afraid of it anymore. It's like, I am confident that the space that I take up is an invitation for others to do the same. Well, that's the spirit of becoming the sun. Thank right. you so much for sharing this magical experience, um, for creating it. Um, I'm so grateful that I got to participate in it. And thanks for joining to share with us here too. Mm -hmm. um, how can listeners connect with you more and work with you? So um, I do have availability for one or two magical mentorships similar to the one that resulted in this project. So um, reaching out to me via email would be a great way to initiate that conversation and see what can happen for us. I'm sure all of the links for all of the things will be in the, the usual place in the description and everything. Um, I am doing readings and the Thing that I am really, really excited about um, happening right now is a collaboration I'm working on with Kristen Mathis, who is a translator of ancient Greek and a scholar of ancient religion and magic, specifically in the Greco-Roman world. And we are soon to be announcing, maybe even by the time this episode comes out, we will have announced a collaboration on the Orphic hymns and Orphic cosmology. And that will be a course offering that will be um, happening in the next few months. So um, to find out about that and to stay tuned to that, I highly, highly recommend that people subscribe to Kristen's Substack, which is called the Mysteria Mundi Project, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A space M-U-N-D-I project. Um, so find that on Substack and you will stay apprised of all the exciting things that we are doing with the Orphic tradition and with poetry. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'll have those links in the notes for everyone to check out. Thank you so much, Drew. Thanks.